97% of salespeople are missing this one thing that if they only knew it would allow them to close 75% more sales. It has nothing to do with charisma, the gift of gab, or whatever else you've been told. Because if you're trying to convince your customer, that means they don't want to buy, which means you've already lost the sale. What sales professionals do is sell customers exactly what they want to buy. They work with the customer to uncover their current challenges, the consequences of those challenges, and how that's impacting them. They then help the prospect describe the ideal solution to their problems, what that looks like, and how that perfect outcome will impact them. And once they can picture that perfect outcome, price is irrelevant. That's right. Sales professionals sell customers exactly what they want to buy because it's easier dealing with a happy customer than dealing with a customer who felt sold. So here's the deal. I explain everything in my live two-day sales workshop, June 14th and 15th in my office. Go to closemoresales.com workshop and you'll be able to close more sales as soon as you get back. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Terry Thayer with Tab Tribe and he flew in from Raleigh, North Carolina to talk about how he makes six figures per month only working for five hours per week, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, if this is your first time tuning in, I am Steve Trang, founder of the Offer Fast Homes app, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. One question I get a lot is how to become one of the 100 millionaires. I'm not trying to sell you anything here. This podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. Just take consistent action and you will become one. When you hear a nugget, please just type it in the comment section. After the show, identify your single biggest takeaway and focus on just that for the next seven days. If you get value today, please tag a friend below. Share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Terry to answer. You ready? I'm ready, man. Let's do it. All right. So first question is, what got you into real estate? Birth. <laughs> I was born. From day one. <laughs> From day one. I just came <laughs> out and started flipping. <laughs> what else? Is, is that not how it works? Um, I, uh, I, was a, I was a contractor. My dad was a contractor, carpenter. Um, so I grew up as a carpenter, been in job sites my entire life, like literally my entire life. That's why I say birth, <laughs> jokingly. But um, yeah, I, was, I, I became my own contractor, you know, left my father when I was young. I was about 20, 21, 22 years old and uh, started doing, became my own business, started my own business in 97. And then in 2002, I started flipping houses. Mm -hmm. So just a friend of mine, we decided to buy a house, cut a roof off it, put a second floor addition. And uh, it was right by a university. So we actually (laughs) kept this one to make it a rental property, a four bed, four bath rental property. We get 650 per room on a house that we bought for a hundred, had less than a hundred more into it. And we're, you know, we're, doing some serious cash flow. So that's how I got started. It was by accident, really. How how difficult was that first transaction? It was, so back then, I mean, it was, or at least thinking about it back then, it was, it was easy. Um, it was in my business partner's neighborhood, like literally right around the corner. We found a house that was for sale by, by a, um, a realtor, had a sign out front, went and talked to him, uh, talked to the realtor, and back then you can go to a bank and you can get loans pretty easily, right? So it was, uh, it was easy. It's, let, me, let me rephrase. I was not the business end of it, right? So mm-hmm. it was easy for me to get that deal because I had no part in it. <laughs> right. I was more of the contractor part of it. But yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, honestly like what started and then we 
we just got hooked and we started buying properties all throughout that neighborhood and then other neighborhoods and so you're just buying properties or acquire properties yeah yeah well we were buying them flipping them buying them for uh so we were doing this a lot of investors mm-hmm. were seeing this four bed four bath thing right so we would buy houses we had uh, buyers lined up from the beginning right so we had buyers before we had properties Nice. And we were buying these houses, doing the same thing, and then just selling them to these investors. So we were flipping them right to them, and then they were, they would pay anything, and it was just like they were lined up for it. So it was pretty cool times. So this you say around two thousand two? Two thousand two, so almost so, twenty years ago. So a lot of people that are newer today don't appreciate how much harder it was to get data back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was. <laughs> it didn't happen. Yeah. So how were you finding sellers? Uh, back. Th- oh, sellers. Yeah, so back then, sellers, it was literally just what was on the MLS. Okay, so you're buying directly from the MLS. But yeah, just, I mean, we would, hold on. That's how we started, mm-hmm. was we would buy houses that were listed. And then people were just coming to us, because there was a lot of rental properties in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They were coming to us, and they were just like, like selling us properties. It was just like, hey, you want to buy another one? You want to buy another one? Okay, and so they we were, were finding you. Yeah, that's part of it. The other part of it is, like, literally, it was probably six streets and the longest street was probably 500 yards so we didn't drive from house to house like i was literally walking to it was like i was in a neighborhood like a subdivision building right we had so many properties we had 12 15 houses going on in these this little area so i got to know everybody so it was just like it was just talking having conversations with people and just learning everybody in the neighborhood and that's how it started so nothing like what it would be done today (laughs) That's the twenty-year-old model. <laughs> All right. So you start there. How long was that model working out for you? All the way up to about oh six, oh seven. Okay. Um, and we then would, something happened. Yeah, it was. Yeah, something happened. <laughs> the crash of oh eight, right? That's yeah. when everything uh, went to hell, and the banks weren't lending. And you know, I felt like uh, I was telling somebody yesterday. I said, you know, back then, I can remember my business partner be like, "Hey, come in and sign some documents." We were doing some pretty big houses. They were million-dollar houses. We were t- tear them down and build new houses. And I'd go sign some papers. Nobody asked me a social security number, nothing. I'm like, I feel like I was robbing a bank every time I walked out of there. As and long as you could fog a mirror. Ex- exactly. And then literally that, like a switch that shut off. Mm-hmm. So um, we were doing high-end renovations for people for several years because I didn't, I didn't know what private money was. I never heard private money. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't need private money. Didn't need private money, right? I didn't know it existed until 2012. That's when I learned it. I'm like, all right, game on. Let's right. go. <laughs> so... Were you still doing contracting work as well back then? No, no. I I, I pretty much, I mean, I was a, my, a contractor for myself. Like, right. I had my crews for myself, and that was it. But. So the, the lesson, because I started around that time, the lesson I learned, and it's still, even though it didn't happen to me, like, I got to witness it a lot. Every contractor lost everything, including their marriage. A lot of realtors lost everything, including their marriage. Yeah. So I play things a little safer than I might naturally. So, like, did you did you witness that? Did you experience any of that? Oh, witnessed it. Yes. Um, so, luckily, my business partner ended up. Uh, we, we we separated around '07. We had our last house finish up uh, just before then, and I had a granite fabrication shop. That's where I got hurt. Mm-hmm. So we had a granite fabrication shop, and and we had uh, a ton of money into it, and literally it was like the lights switched off one night. And all these builders that we did work for went bankrupt, so they owed me a ton of money. That you can't collect on. That I can't collect, right. Because the banks basically forced them into foreclosure. Yeah. All their homes, called the loans to. So then, what happened to your granite business? 
I shut it down. I sold everything off. I got as many people paid as possible. But did you walk away? Did you walk away from that unscathed? No. Uh. Uh-uh. No. So I, I I sold everything off. I threw my tool belt on. Was doing work for for homeowners. Right. Mm-hmm. That's when I started doing the high end renovations, and I worked my way out of debt. Only I didn't pay one person, Uncle Sam. <laughs> So that was starting to get on me really bad. Uh-huh. So after a couple of years not paying taxes, um, I, I ended up, uh, my neighbor was like, man, you need, to, you need to do something about this. I'm like, why? Well, I, I just worked my way out of this debt. I can work my way out of that. He's like, it's not worth it. Like they were interesting me to death. They were penalizing me to, me to death. It was to the point where I would have had to crush it in a short amount of time to be able to catch up on that. So I ended up doing a chapter 13 bankruptcy where it stopped all the, the interest rates and penalties and all that stuff, and I was able to pay it back without getting killed every month with all their penalties. Gotcha. So, but I but nobody else Sam. ended up in there. Only Uncle Sam. Yeah, who cares about Uncle Sam? Yeah, forget about him. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna get theirs anyhow, and they right. did. They did. They always will, and they're getting more of it now. They're getting more of it now. So, all right. So, things slow down. Comes a screeching halt. You were in the middle of some renovations. Did you get hurt no, on those renovations? No, so zero. You were, they were all done. Nope, so you were able to clean li- out on that side. It was literally just the granite. Okay, so then the how was the transition? Because that was a different time. That's when I, again, I, that's when I first got in the business. When I first learned about wholesaling, I thought it was a fad, so I didn't learn about it. Big mistake. Um, <laughs> so when did you, like, what was your transition from that point? So my transition, you mean from 08? Yeah. So 08, granite shop, all that, shut that down in 2009. And then literally I threw my tool belt back on and I went and just was doing renovations for people all the way up till I learned about this private money thing. And I'm like, all right, game on. Okay. So you were, you were working basically. I I was doing full house renovations, kitchens, bathrooms, like that kind of stuff. So you're like, Hey Tara, I need, I need you to work over at this house. We need to work on this kitchen. Right. Okay. And then 2012, you learned about capital, uh, other accessible capital. Exactly. And then you just like, you just 180. Oh, I just, oh, I was like, okay, we're done here. <laughs> if I had to deal with one more homeowner, <laughs> I don't think I would have made it yeah. this far. So yeah, it was just I shut that shut that right off. I mean, actually, I what I did is I made uh, a deal with one of my friends mm-hmm. that was a contractor, like to do renovations, and I was like, look, I had probably close to a million dollars worth of contracts getting ready to start because my average contract was like 200 250,000 for renovations. Wow. They were huge. I did one that was $850,000. Um So I'm going to do a quick tangent here cuz before we started, you and I were talking offline about sales. Yeah. Is that Of course. Okay. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> hey, I mean those are big numbers. I don't hear those numbers typically on renovations. Yeah, my, I it got to the point where I wouldn't even look at a deal unless they would I would have them send me pictures. Uh, and give me a quick description, mm-hmm. and if it didn't, if it didn't appear to be at least one hundred fifty thousand, I would be. I'm not. You're pre qualifying these people. I was pre qualifying, <laughs> right? So yeah, it was like two hundred and up is is these deals that we were doing. And I had a buddy of mine. He was a contractor. He did renovations. He had a renovation company. And I said, look, I said I will give you all of these. I don't want a dime for them. But when you're finished, whatever the profits are, I want twenty percent of profits. Mm-hmm. So that's what I ended up working on. So I literally, I was wrapping up some jobs, finished those, raised money, started uh, marketing, direct mail mm-hmm. was my first uh, things that I was doing back then. Direct mail, door knocking, all that, and talking to wholesalers. And actually the very first one I got when I went got back in was from a wholesaler. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. 
And then when you went back in, because before you were buying, hold, buy and flip, what, what was your, what were you doing right when you got back into it? Straight up hustling, flipping as many properties as possible. Gotcha. Like we were doing a lot at one point. What, what is a lot? Mean? Over 100. Between new builds and flips, we were doing over 100 a year. Okay. Like we were cranking them out for a little while there. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then is that the same business model all the way through now? No. Okay. So what's the evolution of your business? So evolution was I was doing everything was all in one company, right? Then we, we went from flipping, doing some new builds to I was like, forget about this flipping thing only because I, I, I put pain on myself. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't just do a carpet and paint flip, right? Mm-hmm. It was a full gut. So I got to the point where every single house was so, um, it, was, it was so much uh, detail, so much work that had to be done to it that it, when I looked at the numbers, I'm like, I could have tore this thing down and started it over, probably paid about the same amount of money, but got, but got, but got, got it done faster, less headaches, uh, more calculated. I didn't have to be on on job on site all the time, and I could have got about twenty percent more for a new build versus a flip. Oh, in the areas that I was doing it in. So I was like, "All right, this doesn't make sense. I'm done with flips." So I, I went like three or four years without doing any flips whatsoever, and I, I focused on downtown areas, mm-hmm. regentrification. So downtown Raleigh, downtown Durham, and I was I had VAs that were just like scoping out the areas, getting all the addresses, phone numbers, and back then it was like one at a time. There was no skip trace company yeah. that you could just send in a <laughs> list to. Like it was, you know, very manual. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, between me and a couple other people, we would just go door knocking, calling, whatever we could to get these deals. And that all, it went all the way up until 2018. The beginning of 2018, I'm sitting there, I'm like, at 88 lots, 88 scattered all over downtown Raleigh and downtown Durham. The two downtown areas are getting to the point where they're, they, it's growing so fast. Like ex, me alone was just doing so much in these two areas. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to deal with it. So the UDO started changing all of a sudden. They were like, so then they started treating these 100 year old neighborhoods like it was a brand new subdivision. So like, okay, there's cracks in the curb, cracks in the, in the um, uh, what we call it, sidewalks, and I would have to replace all of it. I'm like, I don't even own that part. That's mm-hmm. your part. Mm-hmm. And so it was costing me ten, twenty thousand dollars more per house. So I'm like, forget about this. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm gonna take. We're gonna separate it. So that's when I, ch- I changed the model and I said, okay, all of my new builds are gonna be only in new, new neighborhoods, new developments, and I'm gonna <laughs> make sure that I just go in, I buy lots, I pull house on the ground. Mm-hmm. I don't have to tear it down, redevelop it deal with the city, all this crap. Did that. Um, then we separated the, the rehabs into another company, uh, our, our, um, our rentals into another company. And then we were like, well, what do we want to do with the marketing acquisitions company? Mm. Well, we would do like, we weren't wholesaling, but we would do 12, 15 wholesale deals a year because we're buying in these two areas, right? Well, if we were buying here and this guy has two houses in this neighborhood, but then he has two over here, we would just assign these to, uh-huh. right? We're, there's always a buyer for it. We're, right. we'll, we'll make money off of it. So we'd do 12, 15 properties a year that way. And I was like, I mean, and, and honestly, the ones that we would do, were, they were like average of like 60,000 and up, right? Assignments, or we would take them down and double close them, whatever. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that was, we actually made a decent amount of money by accident uh-huh. several times a year. So then we decided to break it off into its own company, Got Offer it. Hut. 
So I see you've got offer. What is it? Offer. Offer fast. Offer fast, right? Yeah. Offer fast. We have offer hunt, <laughs> and so we made that our own company. We started scaling it, putting a team together, and uh, yeah, and then here we are today. So we did that in eighteen and tripped and fell, tripped and fell, trying to scale things, get mm-hmm. the marketing right, the systems right. And I mean, I was on the phones, I was doing everything. We were going to appointments and now we're fully virtual. Um, I just got back a month, two months ago from being in, living in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico for five months. Oh, that's awful. While my team was cranking and breaking records. And, yeah. you know, so we've been, I've been able to scale it by systems and processes and then ultimately people to be able to follow those you had to suffer in mexico though i had to suffer it wasn't it wasn't easy like the views were just like i mean the whales jumping up in the air it was so distracting so so new build uh, rehabs rentals and then wholesale so what does your business look like today what that's what it is so i have uh one of my companies we do we have uh small affordable housing Mm -hmm. that's in my rental company so we we were we, buying, we bought all this land to build rent and then uh, just continue to keep build them, to right? Just to keep them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there were affordable housing, you know, in my area. So that's 200000 roughly. And uh, what was it, last year or the year before? year before last, I decided, like, I don't want any of these rental properties anymore. I hate them. I hate <laughs> rental properties. I'm like, I, I, I can make money with less headaches and mm. dealing with, you know, less nonsense in other ways. So we're, we're, we're doing it. Uh, we're investing in other maybe syndication deals, uh, mm. you know, different lending, things like that and selling off all the rental properties. So we're down. I think we're down to like 17. So a lot so of those development deals. Mm. Now we sell them instead of keeping them. So a lot of people <laughs> get into real estate initially for rentals. And then maybe they do some wholesale on the way to buy rentals. Mm-hmm. You're a little bit further ahead in this story, right? Yeah. A lot of us are in the first 10 chapters. You're over here like chapter 17, chapter 20. You're saying you're not in love with owning rentals. Hate it. What do you not love about owning rentals? So I had a property manager, or have. I still have a property manager. Mm-hmm. And it's not about, like, I didn't have to deal with tenants, but just getting that call. Like, I can't remember what the number is, like 250, 300. Anything under 250, 300, they just take care of, right? Anything above that, I have to get a call, mm-hmm. right? Or if somebody um, moves out, they let me know or um, trashes a property, whatever, they not paying the rent. Mm-hmm. And I felt like when you, even at 58, whatever we had, 50 something properties, even at that, I felt like every single week I was just getting that like kick. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, these people, they're so incompetent. Just pay your bills. <laughs> I mean, wh- why do you destroy properties, right? Yeah. And it wasn't about the leaky toilets and all those old stories. It was, it was literally about the people. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, I couldn't deal with it. Yeah. I'm like, there's, it's, it doesn't, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Like, I like my peace of mind. And there's other ways of making money. So that's why I'm investing in other things. And e-commerce is, uh, has been a big thing for me as well. Got it. Uh, so syndication. E-commerce. What, what what are you looking at in e-commerce? So, um, what well, started where I was, uh, some friends of mine. They were like, or I bought bought an Amazon store, and where uh, Amazon Automation. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. Yeah. So Amazon Automation, and then they reached out to me like, hey, you got an audience. You want to do a webinar and do an affiliate? I was like, yeah, sure. Put mm-hmm. some tiny minutes of my time, right? Right. So I did it. Sold a million dollars with the store. Did it another time. Sold a million dollars with the stores, and they're paying me decent amount so i'm making you know a quarter million or more in 90 minutes yeah well what happened was what i didn't like about it is that now i'm i'm sending these stores to these people and they're they're relying on 
uh, them to take care of it and they're not doing they weren't doing a great job and I was getting all the callbacks and I'm just the affiliate guy you're the property manager again. <laughs> I'm the property manager yeah so that I became <laughs> yes I'm putting out fires all over the place I'm like look you know what I could do this I'm good at business like I've been doing this a long time so I reinvented the way I see all these guys that are doing it, and most of them are doing it. They're young; they're in their twenties. They just they're seeing all this money, and they don't know what to do with it. But to buy McLarens and Ferraris and Lamborghinis, right? What else are you gonna do with it? What else, right? So I'm like, I want I want to re- reinvent this. So I put a pretty cool business model together. Mm-hmm. I found a really good operator partner that knows that end, and we took it in house. And so that's that's so we sell Amazon and Walmart stores. Walmart stores. Yeah, Walmart too. Wow. Third party. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so. One thing that was fascinating to me, and we talked about, it, you know, in, in the beginning, is that you know six figures, but working five hours a week. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about this business. A lot of this business sells and marketing business, but the marketing is not really that complicated. No. Right. And the sales is a skill you can learn. Yep. Which apparently you and I both geek out on. <laughs> yes. Right? But then the next thing is the systems and the people. Yeah. That's how you buy more time back. What did you do to buy your time back? Yeah, so first and foremost, like when I've been doing real estate a long time, right? Mm-hmm. When I saw this whole thing, I was like checking out all these people on Instagram, like who's crushing it, you know, and you've got all the, the guys that appear to be crushing it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know who to trust, right? So I found somebody, flew out, saw their operation. I'm like, look, there's nothing you're going to teach me in real estate, nothing. But I want to learn how to scale a wholesaling operation. Mm-hmm in six months or less not two three years i want to know exactly the formula hired him and we just we just went crazy and just yeah. i i got those systems and i put my experience with it and then i have a hiring system that i put in place that l- allows me to hire people and i mean it's literally it's it now it, the system is so refined that it's like flipping on a switch and boom i've got a great person working for me <laughs> literally so <laughs> that sounds like a magic pill um, so we're, that magic pill wasn't developed overnight. <laughs> oh no, I, I definitely don't believe it was built overnight. So, what were some of those systems um, that you were able to incorporate into your business? Yeah. So, obviously, having the right CRM to mm-hmm. begin with, um, that allows for a follow-up system to track everything, tracking keep the right KPIs, like knowing exactly what they are without having to build every single thing and figuring out what you need. So it was a lot of it was KPIs, tracking metri- metrics, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, the CRM at first, a little bit of marketing tweaking, tweaking, but then the next thing is like the SOPs, how to pay the people, who to identify what type of people to actually bring on, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it's like, okay, I'm gonna hire an acquisition, you're gonna put an ad for an acquisition person, you're probably gonna get what? 10, 15 people to apply, and they're, they're not even probably going to know what the hell they're applying for. All right. Well, now it says acquisition. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so there's like I was trying to learn a few different things. So that yeah. was uh, those few things in place. It, it really helped uh, move things along a lot faster. Gotcha. Okay. So this magic pill we were just talking about. Yeah. What, what is this easy button hiring thing? Yeah. So it's um, I've developed it into a course, uh, and I. It's something I became obsessed with because having all the real estate business, I mean, you know how it is with contractors and project managers. It's like the bottom of the barrel, right? You get a guy where his girlfriend's bringing him to work because he's got a DUI, can't drive, doesn't have, I mean, you know how it is. Like we, <laughs> that business is painful, right? So it's like you end up at the bottom and you're higher and fire and higher and fire and higher mm-hmm. and fire. 
So I'm like, there's got to be an easier way. Like somebody has to have the answer. Mm -hmm. So again, I, you know, I, my first coach was in 2012. When I learned about private money and a few other things, I'm like, I'm hooked. Mm -hmm. Like, let's go. You know, so I, I, I'm always, I have, I'm probably investing in at least six figures every single year on different mentors, coaches, courses, whatever the case might be, to, to, to find the answers of how to do things faster. Mm -hmm. Right, I'm 45, right? I don't have much time to figure things out. I want to go, right? right. Regardless, I, I wasted too much time doing it. So I would hire all these different coaches to find the answer. Nobody had the answer. I mean, it's crazy. Like, I could not find the answer. So I got a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. So I was like, I've got to figure this out. I put my head down and come, I came up with a system. Honestly, I just like put it in a bowl and salt, pepper, mm -hmm. and stirred it up. And voila, this came, okay, you have to tweak it a little bit, tweak it a little yeah. bit, tweak it a little bit. And until I developed what I have. What are the, some of the, like, the major components of it? So going back to CRM, mm -hmm. right? So I'll give it in a nutshell. So there's like a CRM type of uh, system. So I, I'll, I'll give you the quick uh, overview on it. Uh, otherwise, how much time do we have? I mean, we can do this all, all the rest, half an of, hour. rest of the afternoon, <laughs> right? So um, basically, I, I use Indeed, mm -hmm. okay? And I, there's a reason why I use Indeed, proven proved it time and time again um i put an ad i've got a way to do all that right there's a whole bunch on the front end setup before i even put the ad right mm -hmm. so then you put the ad and then when somebody clicks to apply on indeed it does not go into my indeed mm -hmm. i have a way that you can link another software mm -hmm. crm ish they take a test it scores them um puts their resume every all their information into this platform right so it's like podio for hiring mm -hmm. right and then in a, with a with a um, a test, so it scores them. So if I really need somebody, I might go any score from sixty and above. Anything below, boom, gone. I don't right. think about it, right? So I have this. So I have a list of three to six hundred people because mm -hmm. that's about what I get in applicants every month, and I can cut it down to maybe fifty, right? Out of those fifty, I can go click, 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 boom, send them all one message says, you know, send me a sixty second or less video, tell me a little bit. I have specific things in there. Okay, and this is something over the years I've tweaked and tweaked and tweaked and tweaked. And basically, I'm, I'm looking to see if they're following instructions, if they're getting, if they're procrastinators, because I have a time limit when you're supposed to get it. Mm -hmm. Are they sending it to me at 4:59 <laughs> when I'm asking at five, or are they sending it to me 10 minutes after I send them the email? Right. Um, I'm saying it at 4:59. Exactly. A lot of them are right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you know things like um, it's 60 second or less, right? Mm -hmm you'll be shocked how people can't get past 40 seconds. Yeah. I'm like, how are you supposed to sell if you can't tell me the 60 seconds about yourself? Right. Why you're, why you're a good person for the position. So, um, or, and then you got people that go on for three minutes. I'm like, I could just imagine this person in my office. They don't shut up. They just, they never get anything done. They're just that yapping the whole time. Right, they're just yapping the whole time, right? So there's a lot of things right there that, that tells me. And then I, I go through, uh, I vote from there, I ends up narrowing it down three to five hundred, three to six hundred applicants, and I'll narrow it down to like three to five mm -hmm. people. Those three to five people will do a phone interview, um, and that's very specific. I don't care to know anything about them. I want them now to know more about my position mm -hmm. because I've weeded out so many people since I started doing this right from that phone call because it's like, oh, um, you know, we work these hours. Oh, I can't work these hours. Oh, it's a full time job. <laughs> No, it's part-time, you know, it's, it's said on, on the application, right? Or we don't offer benefits, right? Just different things like that. You know, like, oh, this isn't for me. Great, thank you for not wasting an hour to two hours of my time in an interview. Right. 
So I weed out some people that way. And then I also get to hear just a little bit because I'm asking a few questions here and there. Um, get to hear a little bit about their personality, how they are, you know, how they show up. And then I usually go, so me, when I'm interviewing, I, I only select one. Mm-hmm. My sales manager does the, the um, hiring now for our team. He'll, I always make him do at least three people. Bring three people in mm-hmm. because I want you, because he doesn't have the experience, maybe at some point, to be able to, that judgy character, to be able to see over the phone. So I have him weed out the people in person. Yeah. So, and then we have um, a whole like HR software after that that makes things, simplifies things. Well, I love the system. I think one of the things that, you know, a lot of business owners, they kind of overcomplicate this, right? Like they're really good at finding sellers. They've got the systems, they got the processes and all that. And then like you talk about hiring and they're like, they get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's sales and marketing. Right. You market them, you go find them where they're at. Exactly. And then you sell them, you have the system to sift it. Same thing with lending, right? Like if your goal is to get more money, just put on your sales and marketing hat. Yeah. And you can go and find them and sell them. But people kind of look at it as like, oh, this is a whole different beast, and it's not. It's, yeah, it's not. It's just the same thing, just different people, different right. process, whatever. But you go, and I, I remember when I when I was first hiring, right? Because when you don't know what you're doing, you just post an ad on Craigslist. Yeah. And you get hundreds <laughs> of resumes. Yeah. And you're clicking each one. It's like, which one do I hire? Right. So I love that you've got this I don't sifting look at resumes. and sorting and just, you've got you've easy buttoned the yeah. whole thing. It, it's funny when you say how people just get so stressed out about raising money. They don't, oh, raising money, right? I don't know how to do it. I can't do it. I, I, I have been trying to raise money. I'm like, okay, what'd you do? Have you talked about it? Have you told anybody? <laughs> like, have you put it out there? Like, what's your marketing tactic? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, you know, I, I t- talked to a couple uh, people at this RIA event, you know, like, if you're not putting it out there, like, how does anybody gonna know that you're raising money? Right, how do people know you're buying houses? Right. If you're not telling everyone. Exactly. You're buying houses. It's not magic pill. It's not not a secret. <laughs> so you mentioned that you're in Raleigh. Yeah. Is that where your ba- business is based, Raleigh yes. and Durham? Yes. Okay. So, um, how's your business different than everybody else over there? Systems. Like it's I'm completely virtual. We never leave uh, and leave our office. The culture that we have is amazing. It's fun. Like they're like it's family in our mm-hmm. office, right? So. I think just having just systems. I don't know anybody else in, especially in my area. I know people outside of, like in this area, <laughs> guru capital of the world, right? It is for sure the guru capital of the world. It is, right? So that that can not have to be there, not have to show up to have their business run. Like I don't have to be there, right? Right. It's, it's, uh, sometimes it's fun to be there. Mm-hmm. It's, it gives me energy to be there. So but it probably annoys them a little bit too. It, it does, right? Sometimes <laughs> when I leave, like the bell rings more, right? <laughs> they get more deals, right? So yeah. they get to celebrate more. So that was for hiring acquisitions. What is your process then? Is it almost similar for hiring administrative people? Every single, it's the exact same thing. It's just, I'm um, just the different ad in the front right. of Right. So right? the, and maybe this is because you're growing up, but one of the hardest challenges, and I don't know why, because I think I'm just naturally lazy, so I maybe over-delegate, <laughs> um, but a lot of people have a challenge delegating mm. or maybe not even delegating, like inspecting what you're expecting, letting things go. How were you? Able, how are you able to get to, because- I it, love this question. Because in construction <laughs> side, I mean, you're probably working 60, 70 hours a week. Keep going. Right? Like 100, <laughs> 120 yeah. at one point. I went so, 10 years without taking a vacation. 
Like Which is what you're supposed to do as an entrepreneur when you start. Right? <laughs> I mean, I grinded, right? Yeah. And I, I, I thought it was like, you're weak if you take a day off, right? I used to have the same mindset. Yeah. So how did you get to the point where you were able yeah. to trust your people, able to let go? Because I think that's one of the hardest things as a business owner. You kind of have this idea. It's like, no one can do this better than me. Right. Right. So how did you do that? So remember I said I, my first coach 2012? Mm-hmm. Well, 2014, I was at a, my first mastermind. Mm-hmm. First mastermind, um, girl gets up, she's speaking, talking. She's like, oh, yeah, my business is in Florida. I pretty much live in San Diego. My business fully runs, and I'm getting ready to go on this month-long backpacking, bicycling trip up <laughs> in the mountains of Northern California. And I'm not going to be able to have service, and we're going to be buying deals, selling deals, all this. I'm like, <gasps> like, I'm stressed out of my mind for being there <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm like, my business is falling apart. It's burning to the ground. I'm going to mm-hmm. come back. It's going to be nothing but ashes. So... And I was a control freak, mm-hmm. right? I had no systems, zero. I kind of suspected that might have been impossible. Oh, I mean, it was a control freak, totally. So I became obsessed. Like, I'm like, how is she doing this? Like, mm-hmm. how is that possible? There's no way. So obviously, I'm talking to her throughout the weekend. And I remember uh, one of the nights, I think it was Saturday night. So I got there Thursday night, um, started Friday, Saturday, and they left Sunday, right? So the whole thing I can think of, like only thing I remember about that entire time was her speaking and me obsessing over. It's like two, three in the morning, I'm getting I'm up and I'm like walking around, my wife's in bed, and I slam my foot on something and you know, in the hotel room is completely dark and I'm like, ah, I let out this yelp. She's like, What the hell are you doing? I said, I got it all figured out. I had sixteen carpenters that worked for me, trucks, trailers, equipment, tools, everything, right? I said, I'm going back and I'm going to fire everybody. I'm starting over. I said, I'm going to figure this out. We're going to, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I, I know the first part. We're going to fire everybody and we're going to start outsourcing things and start building. And I just, it, for me, it was pain, right? It was pain of why am I, why can't I enjoy four days of being with other entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. learning, building on myself, or just even taking a vacation without stressing my, out of my mind? I mean, I remember the first couple of vacations I took. Like, I slept through the whole thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't vacation initially as a business owner. No, you, I slept and or stressed uh-huh. about what was going on back home. Yeah. So, I was like, "This is this is it. This it it's not normal to live like this. Mm-hmm. There's other ways. I've seen it. She said so, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so I just became. I turned my obsession instead of being obsessed of uh, being a control freak. I became obsessed with trying to figure out how to put systems and processes in place and then people to follow those so that I can actually live my life. And guess what? I make a whole lot more money right. and I work a fraction of the time that I that I used to. So you weren't even mentored, you were just inspired. There, yes. That was like, no way. There's no way, that's yeah. not possible. So you were inspired. Did you get help along the way? Was there anything you did specifically when you were hiring your next batch of people? Any characteristics you were looking for? Um, there was uh, so the first six to nine months were not easy. Mm-hmm. Like I literally fired my entire crew. So I worked around the clock. Like I can remember, uh, I had this one closing, and I literally worked till sunup to make sure it closed in the morning, and then stopped at the house for a minute, maybe changed clothes, brushed my teeth, went right back to work. Like mm-hmm. it was crazy those first several months, because I was trying to finish houses, and I was trying to build systems, and I was trying to hire people. So it was. Um, it was, uh, it was, there was a lot of tripping and falling. Mm-hmm. And once I got a few people that can actually do a per- small percentage, that's when I started hiring coaches and like got it. 
how can I get make this better? And nobody really could give me. I, you know what? Looking back, I, I've, I've thought about this before. I don't know if they didn't give me the answer if I didn't have time to listen because mm-hmm. I was thinking about everything else. You weren't ready to absorb it. Exactly. Yeah. It's a possibility. So I don't know if I had the bandwidth in my brain to absorb anything else at the time. So what would we, what would we tell someone right now right? that's listening to the show and they're like, man, I am killing myself doing one or two deals a month, but I'm working 80 hours a week. Yeah. What advice would you give to that guy? Hire, hire a coach, mentor, for mm-hmm. one, first. Like, stop trying to... You're obviously doing something wrong. <laughs> There's a better way, right? We've and, seen it. We witnessed we've it. seen it, witnessed it, done it. Yeah, exactly. There's a better way. Mm-hmm. And um, just like I did when I th- with the wholesaling thing, when I decided to break off the marketing acquisition side of my business that fed me my own deals, I'm like, what do I want to do with this? And I went to a mentor, someone that's crushing it in this market, mm-hmm. still is, and I was like look, you're not going to teach me anything about real estate. And they know that. Um, I'm like, I could teach you because I've probably been doing doing this like 10 years before you, 15 yeah. years before you. But show me the, the how to do this piece, of mm. it, right? And like, don't have any shame. Like, just go out, get help. And um, especially if you're doing a couple of deals, you can afford it, right? right? So, and it's like people are like, oh, I can't. That's another thing. I can't afford to hire a coach. You can't afford not to hire a coach. You know how much money I lost? Right. Can you imagine if I had this, if I had my business running in this direction 10 years ago, 15 years ago from the so get-go? That, that's an important mindset that a lot of people have a hard time understanding though, right? I can't afford a coach, like you can't afford not to have a coach. Yeah. It's easier to say, it's easier to say right? You can't afford not to hire a coach because we have the wisdom and we've suffered the pains. Right. They might not have suffered enough pain yet to understand the wisdom behind it. Right. Um, so before the show, we were geeking out on sales. We were talking about yeah. that. And you were talking about how you are actively working with your sales team. Yeah. And I love that. Can we talk about that? Because mm-hmm. I think that's a topic that's not discussed enough. A, the importance of sales training, but B, what does sales training look like as a business owner? Sure. So if I first start with this, like when I started looking at business like sports mm-hmm. is when it changed for me. Okay. So I'm like, Again, coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Not afford it, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> maybe maybe the New England Patriots at the time they hired Bill Belichick couldn't afford Bill Belichick. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> throwing something out that's simple that a lot of people know, right? Mm-hmm. They couldn't afford that guy. But we'll look what that guy has done for, for that team. Mm-hmm. What teams don't have a coach? All of them do. Can there's you imagine? No, there's any... no champion teams without a great coach. Right, right. So I'm like, okay, if I want to make my, speaking of the word champion, if I want to get my team to the championship mm-hmm. every single year, I need to be the best coach possible. Right. And what else teams do? Do they just play games or do they practice? <laughs> so we practice, right? So right. we start off our day every single day, the first hour of the day, and we just do nothing but train, 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 sales training, um, everything, not just sales training, understanding the economics of the business. There was a book I read called um, The Great Game, Game of Business. Mm-hmm. And I liked how he talked about how things change dramatically in his business by showing the economics and, and laying it out there so everybody could see what part they're involved with instead of just hiding it because, oh, they can't know what we make. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I think that's important. And then showing the metrics, showing the KPIs, and then giving them something, a scoreboard to go after. So when we started making those changes is when things really started to make a big difference. Got it. 
but at the same time, so we retrain every single every single day, first hour of the day minimum, right? We do break out things in the middle of the I just day. I like to say that again louder. Every morning for one hour. Every morning for one hour. That's, That's my five huge. hours a week. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. So and then what we started doing, like I told you, that used to be just me sitting there training, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that I'm sitting there looking at all them, right? And I'm like, they got to be sick of hearing me. <laughs> they got to hear a different perspective. So now it's like me. I train my business partner trains, and then we have our team come to to the table with trainings. So we rotate them out so that we can hear different voices, different perspectives. We can see how they see things so we can help correct them and tweak it. Um, we do a role-playing day um, where I told you we, we take the controller in the conference room, we spin it, and the first person's out, second person's out, third person, they have to come up with a top, topic, and the fourth person has to be the role-player with them. So I think it's really important to, to practice, to train, to be the best coach you can of your business mm-hmm. and as quickly as possible if you don't have employees start putting those processes and systems together so that you can start putting people in place because otherwise you'll never grow your business right you only it's like trading dollars for hours right you may have created a very uh nice cush job you know where you're making decent money mm-hmm. It's, I'm telling you, it's like, and you know, I'm not telling you, I'm telling you. <laughs> like, there's so many people that just don't see how much more money they can make and where, where how the sky's the limit once you start doing that. Especially when we're making it together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you have this retreat thing. Yeah. What is that? Tab. So, Tab stands for the absolute best. Uh, we do it. Um, we have one big one every single year mm. in September. Uh, let's see. This next one is in Cancun. We weren't able to do it last year. We did one small one in, in July. We were able to sneak that one in. Uh, so I usually do a small one and a big one. We're doing a small one for where it's more like mastermind, higher end, 40 plus deals a year uh, in next month. And then in September, we do um, the big one. So mm. it'll be several hundred people. We're doing this one in Cancun, all-inclusive resort. So they pay, they pay for their flights, they come, and everything else is taken care of. So it's we, we have speakers. Um, it's not, oh, it's a week long, but it's not a week long like in an event like you would think. It's right. four days, four hours each one of those days, and then they have um, like if you were one of the speakers, right? So ten people can sign up to have lunch with you in a day and sit with you at lunch and just like pick your brain and really get close with you and then after lunch like we have like free time you do whatever you want but most of the time people are in the pool swim up bar and what do they do like-minded individuals they talk shop Mm -hmm. right so what's cool about it is that this is um this last year was supposed to be a fifth one so this was supposed to be a sixth one got accelerated because of covid yeah so um what, what it's done is i've i've became friends with people all over the country I have lifelines all, all across the country, different perspectives uh, all across the country. So it's just, uh, if I want to go into different markets, I have people I can reach out to mm-hmm. and we can talk about it. So it's like, it's been cool how to expand your network and everybody. Like there's people that have come to my events and they become best friends with somebody across the country. That's awesome. Over it, yeah. Yeah, I love networking. And that, that part you're talking about, like talking shop. For me, going to every event, like it's cool to learn from stage. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with learning from stage. Like there's always good stuff to learn from stage. Right. But the funnest thing is talking shop. Yeah. Right. Comparing notes. Exactly. Building networks, building relationships. Um, and I think Carlos does a pretty good job of marketing your thing. Of what? 
your events. Marketing my events. Yeah, I think yeah. He does a yeah. really good job marketing. He came in 2019 and spoke, and he says to the, I was with him yesterday. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, he said that was the best event I've ever been to in my life. He goes, I love it. He's actually going to be at the one in uh, March next month. Next That's month. awesome. Yeah. Um, guys, please, if you have any questions, fire away. So. Um, you acquired a bunch of rentals, right, before mm-hmm. the last recession. Did you yeah. hold on to all of them? What did you do with those? Uh, no, I all, all of those are gone. All those are gone? Yeah, we got rid of all okay. those. So you've gone through one of those. What are you doing to prepare for the next one? The next, oh, right, next crash? Um, so right now, remember when I said I had 88? Mm-hmm. In, uh, in, uh, when was that, like March, April, May of 18? Mm-hmm. I said I wasn't buying anymore. Come on. So I've acquired a few more. We're trying to get rid of uh, all of that debt. What we, what, what I've done is um, I'm trying to get rid of all of my, my new builds, mm. take it down to just a handful at a time, just to limit exposure, number one. Um, number two, on the flip side, we're not doing full guts. My, we have a very strict criteria on the things that we take down to flip. Like we're in and out from the time we close on it to own it to the time it's back on the market, not contract, but back on the market, it's typically four weeks, it's right? Really so we're fast. in and out of them. Yeah. So yeah. we're, we're the quickest we've gotten out of one is 62 days. And it was like a, it was a full renovation. I mean, it was carpet paint, cabinets, countertops, lights, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It wasn't just like literally slap a coat of paint on and go. Like it was a full, every room was touched, mm-hmm. right? Um, we just didn't move walls and stuff. Didn't do anything major. But 62 days is the quickest we've gotten one done and brought in like 50000 in profit. I don't go see them. I don't ever go. T- like, I have very strict criteria. Right. Like, if I have to touch it, we're not doing it. Right? <laughs> if I have to it's go there, we're rule. not doing it. Right? It's a great rule. Um, so I try to do quicker deals that are typically I can be in and out of them in 60 to 90, 60 to 100 days, I say. Yeah. And as long as we can make two and a half times what we would have made on an assignment, well, that's part of our requirements. Awesome. And I love that you've quantified it two and a half times. Yeah. Um, and we, so basically, I mean, to full circle answer the question, I'm trying to limit as much exposure as possible. Yeah. Assigning contracts is just marketing it's in and out transactional, right? Flips, as long as I'm not doing big ones that are going to be nine months, and if something happens, then I, I'm, you know, Things could change drastically in nine months. Yes, they can. Three, four months, it's not as bad. You can always dump it. Three, exactly. Four months. Exactly. Uh, so, Abby Jai wants to know for someone starting new and trying to do this as a side hustle, do you still recommend to have systems in place? Systems in place? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and even more, right? Because you have very limited time, mm-hmm. right? So, yes, yes, you have to have, um, and, and it's the two things that that person needs. It's systems and grind, like mm. hustle, right? right? Because you want to get out of that J-O-B as fast as possible. Yeah. How can you replace that income as fast as possible? At the same time, you know, some people get too comfortable with that whole situation. And I've had many mentees of mine, right? They're like, oh, when do I get rid of the job? I'm like, you did a couple flips, right? You got like 40 grand in your account. You know, you you're got enough for marketing. Like now, mm-hmm. do you not trust in yourself? Because if you can make forty grand on top of what you're doing in over a couple of months, like what can you accomplish not having that job? Right. Right. Maybe it's one hundred forty grand, two hundred forty grand a month. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's about. I think a lot of it is people just need to trust themselves. Yeah. Have more faith. Yeah. Uh, and then Kenny Corinda wants to know what's your best advice for a new person. 
grind. That's all it is. It's like, to me, it's just hustle, grind, and do whatever you can, whenever you can, however you can, mm-hmm. especially because, I mean, I'm sure most most new people don't have the money. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'd say go hire a coach, right? But right. it's typically they have to create capital, right? So it's door knocking and just walking neighborhoods, driving for dollars, like uh, Craigslist, for sale by owner, like every single possible resource you can to get out there and just as much as you can. I mean, it's just, it, to me, it's grind. Yeah. And, I mean, and the little bit of information that you can get, well, I say a little bit, a lot of bit of information that you can get from YouTube. Right. Yeah. The If you don't have money, then you got to put in the time. Yeah. And, it's either and money it's or not, time. And it's not like 40 hours of time. It's, no. You got to be doing this. Eat, sleep, breathe, all of this. Uh, sleep secondary. <laughs> Optional. <laughs> uh, what is your why? Hmm. My why is as I get older, it changes, right? So my why is, I wish this was my why much earlier, right? I want to, I want to do, I want to make more money, but I want to do less doing it, mm-hmm. right? So that I can travel, I can be with my kids, be with my family, be with my wife. And it just, like, I just, that's that's my first thing, right? And everybody, it's so, it's so cliche. Yeah, they have more time with my kids and stuff, but it's it's freaking true. Especially, mm-hmm. like, my daughter's going to be 17 in two weeks or one week. The 10th, a week? Yeah, a week. Like, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's, dude, my daughter's going to be, be 17. My, my son's 10. My oldest is 23, going to be 24. And, like, my, you know, I, I missed out on that time, right? So it's, I want to be able to enjoy life. I want to be able to see things. But then most importantly, I um, I support an organization called International Network of Hearts. It's a kid that got caught up in sex trafficking, real rehabilitation um, center uh, for them. So one, uh, one big thing that as I create more time for myself and more income is I want to set up a business that generates and feeds that organization. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some type of business that 100% of it goes to uh, of the profits go to, to feed that business or that operation. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then what is your biggest struggle right now? My biggest struggle right now, if people, a lot of people were to see my operation would say it's not a struggle, but to me, it, when I look at it, I run my business off KPIs metrics, right? And I'm like, we could be getting more deals. So how do I convince my team to close more deals, right? I, um, so it's, it's, it's con- conviction, right? Getting them convinced, remember I was talking to you, I was like, I, I th- I've been thinking about bringing in a third party sales trainer mm-hmm. to give a different perspective on things to help close more deals. So I think that um, in the wholesale industry is being able to close more deals with what we have, right, not by just feeding more. more yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I know. I mean, we've got over six thousand leads in our in our database in our right. in our podio, and it's like, I know if I got on the phone, I'd be able to close a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Why can't you? Right. Right. So that I think that's my biggest struggle is like trying to figure out as much training as we do, as much this, much that. How do we close more deals? Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, so one thing is, I've been asking this question more, and it's harder, I think, for some people on on on. on that come in here, but you know, when you get demotivated, how do you get back to motivated? I get back to your why, right? Like what's, 
what's going to get you what's for for me i have a i don't have a hard time um being motivated for me when people say they they lose motivation i almost wonder if you should have if you should be an entrepreneur are you an entrepreneur if you don't have motivation to do what you want to do mm-hmm. um like for for me it's like getting back in my office getting back in the grind like i'm like the opportunity right. motivates me right how much how much is out there um figuring out how to do something different that's probably you know what now that i say this out loud making changes switching things up and bringing in different opportunities to create new excitement mm-hmm. i think for me that's probably the biggest thing that re-energizes me yeah i think for me like it's i'm always motivated but now here's something i'll get even more motivated mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> so yeah. uh then this brings back to another question because this is something that all of us business owners do, especially when we go to seminars or coaching or yeah. whatever events. You get fired up. Mm-hmm. It's like, that guy's doing this, this, and this, right? We need to execute. Like, I heard 10 great ideas this weekend. <laughs> Let's execute all 10. No. <laughs> Take one. <laughs> so have you done that? Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. Like, I'll go back. Every time I go to events and stuff, I come back, my team's like, oh, no. Like, they know. Like, they're scared when I walk it's in like, the door because they know I'm at the throat. Was it the the spousal abuse? This is just the what is it? Battered spouse syndrome. Battered, yeah. Right. They're like exactly. Terry, what did you learn? Let's right. What have you learned <laughs> exactly? Because they know it's about to yeah. come at all angles. So, um, I try to to now decompress, mm-hmm. look, re- review, take one thing at a time, and let's implement it. Let's get that thing going, because it's like when you do everything, you get nothing done. Right. Right. So it's and then you and then you get frustrated. And your team hates you. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, then everybody's pissed off, and so yeah, <laughs> just kind of like let's list this out in importance. Where where should we start? Mm. Or if you have a decent team, you can assign certain things to certain people. Yeah, yeah. For me, my my strategy has always been to not always is now take all the ideas, pick the th- top three. Yep. Throw away the rest. Right, right, right. <laughs> and let's start with the top one that's most impactful, and then we'll look at number two. Right. Exactly. What is your superpower? Sales. Like it's sales is in not only that, like negotiations. I'm, I mean, it just fires me up. You're excited it's, for it. it it's, it's super excited. If I can do that all day long, yeah. I mean, it's the e-commerce, right? When I do these presentations and then I'll get on the phone and like that just fires me up. I just, I absolutely love selling. Did that start even when you were working for your dad? Always. That was just always. What were you selling when you were working for your dad? Jobs. Like re- he, when I was working for my dad, he did, uh, it was siding, mm-hmm. right? So I would go and close deals. So uh, you I mean, would door you know, knock well, and sell siding? Well, it was appointment set up, right? Yeah. So I would sell siding. I would sell um, subcontractors to come work for us. Sell How old were you? 19, 18, 19, 20. Right. You know, I was, I was young. I was like, it just everything sales. Mm-hmm. Like I sell my kids to do their homework. All right. Right. Everything is sales. So it's like, how can you um, convince anybody to do what you need to be, what you're trying to accomplish? Uh, mm-hmm. It's manipulation, but you know what? It's not manipulation. Is not always bad. Mm-hmm. Right. So what were you doing before you were working for your dad? Right. Because like every entrepreneur was trying to sell something when they were kids. Oh God. <laughs> Some people sold rocks. I, I sold candy. Yeah, I, everything. Pencils, candy, bicycles. I used to buy bicycles. Were you flipping bicycles? Yeah, I was flipping bicycles. We'd buy them, we'd get a can of spray paint, spray paint them, like put a new chain on there, oil it up, make it look nice, some I new handlebar that. grips, and 
out the door, you know? Man, you're the first person I've heard say flip bicycles. We had Ryan flipping couches, but flipping bicycles. Yep, okay. yep. That's a- amazing. I-, I remember I had the, the biggest paper route in the whole area, right? Yeah. I just kept like adding more, adding more, adding more. Have these people on, on this, they're probably like paper route. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I would, my bike and they would deliver all the papers. I'd go back to my house, fill it back up and just. <laughs> Hustler from day one. Yeah. Uh, so David Davila uh, wants to know, what's your favorite marketing channel? My favorite is PPC. Um, I was looking at numbers actually just before I left with mm-hmm. my business partner and something I didn't realize until I looked at, you know, there's so many metrics and KPIs, so many ways that you can look at this whole thing. And we know that we get our most of our leads from cold calling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but we get our most quality leads that we can close faster from PPC. We can do one call closes sometimes, mm-hmm. right? PPC and SEO, because we've worked our SEO quite a bit now, but our average assignment on cold call was 17. Our average assignment on PPC was 27. Ten thousand dollars more. Right. So I, I mean, I love PPC, and you know, one of the things that I'm really starting to notice with a lot of these entrepreneurs that I coach is real estate entrepreneurs. When it's their one man show, I would always be like, "Oh, get VAs, all this," and and I'm not sure if that's really the best answer because they're yeah. trying to do all this stuff. They just need more more leads, quality leads that they can close, so they can work on their sales skills. Mm-hmm. So I honestly, I'm starting to switch it to say, hey, let's start with PPC yeah, and work on that because you're going to get, instead of getting, you know, however many VAs you have, 10, 15 leads a day, you might be able to get one, two, three mm-hmm. leads, but the more quality leads that yeah. you can handle. That's how I started was PPC. Really? Right. As a one man show and you're just calling these leads. It's like, it's up to you. It's you against yeah. the seller on the phone, getting in the living room. That's yeah. it. There's no, there's no VAs. Not right. managing anybody. Exactly. Right. It's just up to me to be in the CRM to make the cold calls. Yep. That's all it, all it came down to. Yeah. I, I didn't start PPC until about two and a half, three years ago, maybe. Yeah. That was the first PPC. So you'd be, and I, I'll tell you, I started PPC back in 2011. Did you? So it oh, was nice. $2 a click. Oh, wow. $12 a lead. Oh, my goodness. And I completely blew it. I was a, I was a crappy salesperson then. I blew it. You should have a hundred thousand dollar a month budget and been doing it virtually everywhere. I should have been. I should have made a million dollars a month. Exactly with that back then. But you didn't. You know, you didn't know what you didn't know. Exactly. Um, what is the greatest lesson that you have learned? Greatest lesson I've learned is I would say two things. Um, is hiring coaches right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that stop trying to figure it out yourself mm-hmm. right because i realized when you look back how much money and time that actually cost you right. right we can get more money we can get more of a lot of things we can't get more time mm-hmm. right and when you learn that lesson that you can't get more time you start looking at everything different right, right? um and then the other thing is really a regret or something a lesson that i didn't start doing earlier is is uh, running metrics kpis mm-hmm on your business and running your business out of that, right? right? I don't run it off of like, oh yeah, I you know, this guy over here, it sounds like he hasn't rang the bell or gotten a deal and you know, what's my metrics say? Mm-hmm. You know, then I'll, I, you can dissect it and figure out what is going on. Right, is it a marketing problem, is it this? Yeah, instead of thinking it and, and like just have, it's math, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So as long as you can have all your metrics, all your numbers laid out, then you can actually run a business effectively, efficiently, um, more strategic, quicker, the whole nine. Yeah, and I think just to, to emphasize again for everyone that's listening is that 
once you start looking at it as money as a tool, right? Money, like, currency is important, right? Like, we need it, but it's a tool to buy more time, right? Right, to do more things. And I think that's something that people, when you're newer, you need every dollar. But once you're, you know, once you have some track record, once you have your mindset change, there's no limit to what you can accomplish, right? When you have money as a tool, exactly. Um, Huge mindset shift. Yeah, it takes a while. Is there a book uh, that you've gifted more than any other? So probably the one book that I read the most ever, mm-hmm. I've read it five or six times now, is Traction. Mm-hmm. I think that book has made a huge difference. I'm constantly picking up new things. Um, I love Grant Cardone's books. You know, some people can't stand them. <laughs> I, I love like that just like hardcoreness. Um, my favorite last, my, you know, it's like, what was your favorite book you read? It's always one of the last books I read, mm-hmm. right? Until you get to the next All one. Right. But I actually read a couple kind of crappy waste of time books lately. Mm-hmm. Um, the last best one that I read was a great game of business. Mm-hmm. I love that book. Um, my favorite book that is not business related was, um, own your, own your day, own your life mm-hmm. by, is it Aubrey Marcus maybe? I'm not sure about that one. Or some, yeah, I think it was I've heard great one. things about it. Yeah, own your day, own your life. Books like this big, um, but that book I read that a couple of years ago. That was a great book. That's like principles, man. That that book took me over two months to finish. What great game? Great uh, game of no, uh, no principles. By Ray oh, Dalia. principles. Sorry, I thought <laughs> I didn't get you. Yeah, yeah, right. That took forever to get through. Yeah, and it was amazing. Yep, but it took so long. To I get read through. that book too a while ago. <laughs> Um, David wants to know, can you share your PPC guy slash company? Yeah, I use uh, um, Carlos's guy. Uh, Magnus. Yeah, Magnum. Magnus. Yeah, Magnus. Magnus. You were right, Magnus. Yeah. I couldn't think of it. I'm glad. I, yeah. Dave, I couldn't think of that company, Magnus. Yep. Was it Magnus Digital or something? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to butcher this name here, but Eamon wants to know, how many employees do you have? So there's 11 people in my office. Mm-hmm. Um, I have many virtual assistants in the Philippines, especially now that we've got the e-com business going on. I mean, we'll probably have uh, 200 by the end of the year just in that business. But um, then my education business, I have virtual people all over the country and world. I've got yeah. somebody in Ireland. So uh, in my office, there's 11 of us. Okay, and what does each person do of those 11? So I have uh, acquisitions. Oh no, I have 10 now, I just, hold on, let me count them. I think 10. Cause I can't remember if the 11s before or after I get rid of somebody. I have three acquisitions, dispositions. Um, I have admin. I have, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, somebody, transaction coordinator? Uh, yeah, transaction coordinator. We've got uh, st- a staff accountant. I've got a, um, I cannot think of her role. It's a purchasing manager. Mm. Purchasing manager for all of our builds and stuff. Gotcha. I have a project manager who's not really in the office, but he, he comes to the office, um, and then CFO. Awesome. I don't know what that count was. I lost it. That's all <laughs> 10 right. 10 or 11. <laughs> I think that was 10, not including you. Um, all right, so I want you to think about a last thought you want to leave the listeners with. Um, guys, if you got value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. That would really help me. It would give this pass the positive social signals, right, to all the networks so that we can help more people. Uh, and next week, we do have Chris Crone coming. So check us out next week. He's going to be talking about syndication. Um, and then we do have our workshop coming up. If you guys are interested, in two weeks, it's disruptors.com slash workshop. 
uh, if you guys are interested, go there to apply. Uh, so how, well, before we get to last thoughts, how can someone reach you? Uh, on social, uh, Terry Thayer II. So II is, I'm the second. So Got it. that's where the II comes in. People okay. are like, what is the II? I want to say. Yeah, so Terry Thayer II, terrythayerii.com, tabretreat.com. Um, but yeah, social, Instagram, Facebook, Terry Thayer II. Cool. What is the last thought you want to leave the listeners with? I th- if I to give, I, I've said it five times already, right? Ten times maybe, and I'll say it over and over and over, is don't try to do this on your own. Just understand the value of time. I don't care if you're 19, 22, 13, 45, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, that's the only thing you can't buy, right? So you can buy it in the form of coaches, mentors, um, what do you call it? Courses, all that stuff. So that, and then getting around like-minded people that are going to help. Cause there's, I've talked to so many people. They're like, I'm by myself. I was just at an event in in San Diego last week. And it was, um, there was, there was a couple of people in there. They're like, I'm I'm by myself. I don't have any kind of help from my family mentally help, you know, not like physical help in the business, but like support. support. Yeah. Support. So just getting around, like-minded individuals and get rid of all the garbage noise and nonsense that doesn't belong in your life yeah and that's so so critical the you can't buy your time back that's gone there's nothing you can do about that but moving forward you can really compress the time yeah and that is priceless mm-hmm. i mean would you be willing to pay you probably be willing to pay 10 20 times more would you paying for time forward if you oh, can get some yeah. of that time back right heck yeah so um, all right, so guys, oh, real quick, I forgot. Uh, Active Listening 2.0. So check out the book. It's in Amazon. It's about how to, how to be a better listener, which leads to more sales. Thank you, Terry. This Thank was you. awesome. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thank me you guys too. for watching. That was a lot of fun.